we are in the chapter called Speaking with Confidence, chapter 11. And this is where we'll talk all about that thing called anxiety and where I'm going to try and persuade you to stay in class. Seriously, this is the time I see most of my students drop the class. So uh, if you have a goal to finish this class, I want you to commit to it at this time. Reflect on the work that you've been doing. If you need to spend a little bit more time on the class, this is the time to do it. So let's go ahead and start with our chapter objectives, which include understand the nature of communication apprehension, CA, and be in a better position to deal with your particular brand of CA. Analyze objectively the formation of your habitual frame of reference. Apply cognitive restructuring, CR, techniques to create a more positive frame of reference. Understand the importance of customized practice to become conversant in your topic. Create a personal preparation outline to minimize your apprehension. Introduction. I have to do what? You receive your syllabus on the first day of history class, and you can see that a significant percentage of your overall grade for the semester depends on one 10-minute oral presentation in front of the class. The presentation is to be based on an original research project, and it's due in eight weeks. You're excited to get an email after a very positive job interview. They ask you to come in for a second interview and prepare to answer a number of questions from a panel made up of senior management. The questions are contained in an attachment. Please be ready to stand in front of the room to answer. The email reads, ending with, see you next week. The plans are finalized. You will have dinner to meet with your new fiance's family on Saturday night, just days away. But then you are told that your fiance's father, a former Marine and retired police officer, will want to talk about politics and current events and that he will likely judge what sort of a person you are based on how well you can defend your ideas. In this chapter, you will learn about dealing with one of the most common fears in our society, the fear of public speaking, which is referred to as communication apprehension, or CA. If you're one of those folks, take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. Research indicates that 20% or more of the U.S. population has a high degree of communication apprehension. McCroskey, 1976. CA is an isolating phenomenon, something that makes one feel alone in the struggle. This is true even as programs designed to help people overcome it. Like this program and this chapter, for instance, are spreading nationwide. CA is a real phenomenon that describes a well-documented obstacle not only to academia, but also to professional success. CA can have impacts, can impact many diverse areas, from one's self-esteem, Alder, 1980, and how you're perceived by others, Dwyer and Cruz, 1998, to success in school, achieving high point grade averages, and even landing job interview opportunities, Daly and Leff, 1976. People with higher levels of CA have demonstrated that they will avoid communic communicative interaction in personal and professional relationships, social situations, and importantly, classrooms. Such avoidance can result in miscommunication and misunderstanding, which only becomes compounded by further avoidance. CA, left unaddressed, can even lead to a negative disposition toward public interaction, 
which leads to a lesser degree of engagement, thus perpetuating the fear and further compounding the situation. Menzel and Carell, 1994. The anxiety creates a vicious cycle and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But it's a cycle that need not continue. By reading this chapter, you will learn about CA, not necessarily how it develops and that it can be different in every individual, but rather how people can deal with it effectively. You will learn how therapies employed by psychologists help people deal with phobias can be translated into effective techniques to deal with CA. You will learn the differences between trait anxiety, state anxiety, and scrutiny fear, and how understanding the differences between them can help a person deal with their personal brand of CA. You will learn about how people develop habitual frames of reference that come to define the way they approach an anticipated experience of how anyone can employ cognitive restructuring to help change habits that are counterproductive to delivering effective presentations. Habits can be very difficult to break, but the first step is to be becoming aware and wanting to succeed. Going into any activity with a positive attitude is one of the basic ways of maximizing performance. CA is not something that can be easily eliminated or turned off as if, a control, if controlled by an internal toggle switch, but it doesn't have to remain an obstacle to succeed either. Effective public speaking is not simply about learning what to say, but about developing confidence to say it. For many, it comes down to overcoming those nerves and convincing yourself that you can actually get up there and speak. Each individual deals with CA most effectively through increased self-awareness and a willingness to work to reducing its impact. To conquer the nervousness associated with public speaking, one must identify the factors that lead to this anxiety and then take steps to overcome this apprehension. Classifying communication apprehension, CA. CA is not the result of a single cause, and so the phenomenon itself comes in many forms. It is important for each person to recognize that their particular sort of CA, we'll call it personal brand, is a phenomenon that has developed uniquely through each of their lives and experiences. Just as to each individual is different, so too is each case of CA. There are specific distinctions between stage fright, a term reserved for the commonly virtually universal nervousness felt by everyone, and CA, which is essentially stage fright, with a corresponding emotional trauma attached. Scholars are somewhat divided, however, on whether CA is something inherent in the individual or if it's a result of the experience. In most people, it's very likely a combination of factors. Trait anxiety. McCroskey et al. in 76 described CA as trait anxiety, meaning that it is a type of anxiety that is aligned with a person's individual personality. People who will call themselves shy often seek to avoid interaction with others because they are uncertain of how they will be perceived. Avoiding such judgment is generally not difficult, and so it becomes a pattern of behavior. These folks, according to researchers, are likely to view any chance to express themselves publicly with skepticism and hesitation. The personal tendency is what is known as trait anxiety. State anxiety. Other researcher, researchers, Beatty, 1988, describe CA as state anxiety, meaning that it's a type of anxiety that's derived from the external situation which individuals find themselves. 
while some people may fear public speaking due to some personal trait or border social anxiety, researchers have found that CA more often stems from the fear associated with scrutiny and negative evaluation. Some people may have had a negative experience in public at an early age. They forgot a line in a play. They lost a spelling B. They did poorly when called in front of their class, something that resulted in a bit of public embarrassment. Others may have never actually experienced that stress themselves, but they have watched friends struggle and thus empathize with them. These sorts of experiences can often lead to the formation of a state anxiety in an individual. Scrutiny fear. Still other researchers, Matic et al. 89, discuss CA as what's called a scrutiny fear, which stems from an activity that does not necessarily involve interacting with other people, but is simply the fear of being in a situation where one is being watched or observed or one perceives him or herself as being watched while undertaking an activity. When asked to categorize their own type of CA, many people will identify with this phenomenon. In order for anybody to effectively deal with CA, the first step is to consider what may be its primary cause. CA is what's known as resultant condition, and those who are dealing with the challenge will recognize different intensities associated with different situations or triggers. This means that overcoming the condition requires first that you recognize and then minimize the cause. Each person is different, and so each case of CA is personal and unique. Trait anxiety can be one contributing factor to CA, but it's often part of a much larger condition. It is important to understand that while techniques discussed here will help in improving an individual's approach to public speaking opportunities, we do not claim that these techniques would work with more significant personality disorders. However, both the presence of state anxiety and the appearance of scrutiny fear can effectively address through the application of cognitive restructuring and careful, deliberate experience. At this point, I'd like to refer you to a TED Talk by Kelly McConical, uh, which is Making Stress Your Friend. This is a great perspective on stress. She's done a lot of research in this area, and I encourage you to check this out for a different perspective on handling those stressful things like the anxiety of the speech. Welcome back class. Let's look over frames of reference as we continue on in chapter 11, Speaking with Confidence. Many popular movies are now based on the multiple book series like the Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings movies. If you're a fan of these book series, you know about the anticipation you felt as the next film was ready to be released. You get swept away by the memories. You look forward to seeing the characters again. Before you even enter the theater and take your seat, you're in a positive mood and you're looking forward to being entertained. Perhaps you're even familiar with the details of the story you're about to watch on the film, and this only adds to your feelings of anticipation. Because of your previous experiences, you have developed a frame of reference toward future events. Once frame of reference is a context, viewpoint, or set of presuppositions or evaluation, evaluative criteria with which a person's perception and thinking seem to always occur and which constrains selectively the course and outcomes of these activities. 
Once your anticipation is rewarded, this frame of reference becomes how you approach the release of each new film in the series. Your frame of reference becomes habitual. Even for this, can be seen in the consistent success of serial movies. Even if critics' opinions are harsh, fans will go see the film. Habitual frame of reference. Developing the habitual frame of reference with regard to public speaking usually becomes from a combination of personal experiences and what has been witnessed. Formal public speaking opportunities are most prevalent within the context of formal education. Thus, public presentations are generally student-oriented experiences, which are strongly associated with being evaluated or judged. Because there is such a focus upon the grade that results from the assignment, there is much less focus upon the integrity of the presentation itself. Studies have even shown that the possibility of a negative experience can lead many students to skip assignments or drop a class, hence the beginning of this podcast, what I warned you about. Even when the class is required for graduation, Peleus 1989, students will often worry more about their grade rather than what is contained in their presentation. Thus, the act of public speaking takes on the pressure of taking a final exam with everyone watching. It's no wonder so many students report that they're stressed by public speaking. Personal frame of reference. We can all recall a time when we've met a group of friends for lunch. Try to recall an instance when the conversation centered on the latest popular movie and you happen to be the person in the group who saw it the night before. Was it fun? Was it with the many? Should we go see it too? Everyone else around the table would look at you and wait to hear what you had to say. And what happened when you were faced with all these questions? Well, probably you focused on your favorite parts. Probably you told a story in some sort of organized manner. Probably you asked your friends whether or not they wanted you to give away the ending and probably you were fine with any of your friends interrupting when you were talking. In short, you presented to your audience. But since the action of public presentation was not undertaken within a stressful context of a graded assignment, but rather within a positive context of lunch with friends, you did not feel the same level of CA as with other presentations. The action was essentially the same, but the way you approached the action was completely different, solely because you perceived of yourself engaging in a fun activity, lunch with friends, and not a stressful one, public speaking. Think about how many different, different experiences have prompted the formation of a habitual frame of reference in you. Social events with friends, holidays with family, the weekly staff meeting at work. Consider whether the way you approach the situation has anything at all to do with the sort of experience that follows. Is there a correlation between a positive mood and positive outcome? Think of all the motivational aphorisms and advice you've heard. Think positive or expect success. All of these which are based on the idea that approaching an activity with a positive aptitude about your potential success is the best strategy. We need to build a positive attitude about doing something we are afraid to do. Construct cognitive restructuring. Since the major difference between presenting to a public audience versus presenting to a small group of close friends involves one attitude about the situation, overcoming CA as a matter of what's changing one's attitude as it develops one's skills as a speaker. 
A change in attitude can be fostered through a self-reflective regimen called cognitive restructuring, CR, which is an internal process through which individuals can deliberately adjust how they perceive an action or experience. Matic et al. 1989. Cognitive restructuring is a three-step internal process. Identify objectively what you think. Identify any inconsistencies between perception and reality. Replace destructive thinking with supportive thinking. These steps are easy to understand. Perhaps they may be a bit difficult to execute. The first step is to identify objectively what you're thinking as you approach a public speaking opportunity. Recall your habitual frame of reference. The first step in CR is to shine a bright light directly on it. This will be different for each student undertaking the process. Sources of apprehension. After years of interviewing students from my classes, two concerns most often described are the fear of, are the feeling of being the center of attention as if you're under some collective microscope from everybody's eyes on you, and the feeling that the audience is just waiting for you to make a mistake or slip up somehow and that their disapproval will be swift, immediate, and embarrassing. Let's discuss how CR might be applied to each of these widely held perceptions. Impact of apprehension. Probably the most common concern people have is being the center of attention, quote unquote. When people describe this scrutiny, this scrutiny fear, they use phrases like, everyone just stares at me, or I don't like having all eyes on me. Consider for a moment what your experiences have been like when you've been a member of an audience for another speaker. Where did you look while the speaker spoke? Did you look at the speaker? Direct eye contact can mean different things in different cultures, but in US culture, eye contact is the primary means for an audience to demonstrate that they're listening to a speaker. Nobody likes to be ignored and most members of an audience would not want to be perceived as ignoring the speaker. That would be rude. Compare. Before CR, the frame of reference reflects the idea that everybody's staring at me. After CR, the perception is altered. The audience is looking at me to be supportive and polite. After all, I'm the one doing the talking. Another common concern is the fear of being judged harshly or making an embarrassing mistake. Go back. To that memory of you as a member of the audience, but this time reflect on what sort of expectations you had at the time. Did you expect the speaker to be flawless and riveting? Did you have in mind some super high-level performance below which the speaker would have disappointed you? Probably you did not, unless you had the chance to watch some prominent speaker. Think back to any experiences you may have had watching another speaker struggle, perhaps a classmate during one of their presentations. Witnessing something like that can be uncomfortable. Did you feel empathy for the person struggling? Isn't it a much more pleasant experience when a speaker does well? Again, the vast majority of people empathize with the speaker when it comes to the quality of the presentation. They're willing to give the speaker a chance to say what they want to say. Thus, before CR, the frame of reference reflects the idea that everyone's judging me harshly. And after CR, the perception is altered too. The audience is willing to listen to what I have to say because it's more, a more pleasant experience for them if the speaker is successful. Learning confidence. Consider what comes into your mind if you are to deliver a public presentation. 
Are your thoughts consumed with many uncertainties? What if I make a mistake? What if they don't like what, I, what I'm talking about? What if? Try your own version of CR. Put yourself in the role of, of audience member and ask yourself whether your fears as a speaker are consistent with your expectations as an audience member. Remember that, just like you, the audience wants the speaker to succeed. Of course, CR, unfortunately, is easier said than done. It's a process that takes time, patience, and practice. The most important thing to remember is that you're trying CR as a means of breaking a habit. The habits are formed over periods of time, never instantaneously. The breaking of a habit, similarly, cannot be done instantaneously, but gradually, over time, and with deliberate effort. Changing your attitude is only one element in overcoming CA. The other involves improving your skills as a speaker. The presence of CA in any student brings with it the need to prepare more deliberately and more diligently. The other chapters of this book deal with the importance of preparation in all areas of public presentation. Readers should consider how the challenges involved with overcoming CA can impact the preparation process. go over a great section on techniques for building confidence. First, prepare well. The correlation between preparation and nervousness is consistent. More practice results in less nervousness. The most, the best, most consistent and direct way to minimize the level of nervousness you feel is through effective preparation. This is always true. Importantly, the best sort of practice is the kind that prepares you properly. Michael Jordan was once asked the best way to learn how to shoot free throws. He said that you cannot learn to shoot free throws by walking into a gym with a ball, walking up to the line and shooting. Instead, he described how the first step in learning to shoot free throws is to run sprints. Most importantly, his advice was to run until your body was under the same stress as it would be in a game when you needed to make those free throws because only under those conditions would your practice become truly productive. Only then do you pick up the ball and shoot. And when do you manage to catch your breath? All types of preparation and practice yield some benefits, but there's a significant difference between practice that is merely helpful and practice that's sufficient. There's a difference between knowing what you're talking about and knowing what you're going to say. Thinking about your presentation can be helpful, but that sort of preparation will not give you a sense of what you're actually going to say. Athletes know that the best practices will recreate the game conditions and test their abilities to perform in real-life scenarios. Studying a playbook? It's helpful, but not sufficient. Going over a speech in your mind? Again, it's helpful, but not sufficient. Many students do not practice effectively, and this can result in the wrong idea that practice isn't helpful. Unfortunately, these same students usually have had little, if any, training and how one might prepare for a presentation. And so, they employ the scholastic training that they're most familiar with, how to write a paper. This is not the same activity as presenting, and so the lack of proper preparation only continues to, only contributes to the lack of confidence. Let's look at a few elements of effective practice. First, visualize success. Athletes and performers are often coached to visualize 
what they're trying to do as a way to perform correctly. Baseball players need to anticipate what they will do if the ball is hit their way so that they're ready to perform without having to make split-second choices. Football and basketball players must envision how each member of the team will move during a particular play because team success depends on speedy and flawless coordination between individuals. Dancers and divers are trained to visualize the form and positioning of their bodies as they execute their moves. Golfers are coached to visualize the flight and arc of the shoot that they're trying to attempt. Engaging the imagination in this way can be beneficial to performance. Speakers, too, should visualize success. As you practice, visualize yourself presenting with confidence to a receptive audience. See your relaxed facial expressions and hear your confident vocal tone. Imagine yourself moving gracefully, contemplating what you'll say with expressive gestures. Imagine the audience reacting appropriately, nodding appreciatively, and giving thoughtful consideration to your points. Imagine the gratification of watching the audience really get into it. When you can honestly envision yourself performing at this level, you're taking an important step toward achieving that goal. Avoid gimmicks. Some acting coaches and speech teachers encourage their students to practice in front of mirrors so that they can watch themselves perform and evaluate how they move. In acting, this can be very useful, but in speaking, it is less so. When you practice your presentation, the most important element is expressiveness. You want to become more familiar with the volume of material, the order in which you plan to present it, and the phrasing you think would be most effective to present it. Watching yourself perform in a mirror will focus your attention on your appearance first and on what you express second. This makes using a mirror during a practice a distraction from what the practice ought to achieve. Plus, consider what you're seeing in the mirror as you practice. Obviously, it's you. But more to the point, what you see in the mirror, your reflection, will not resemble in any way the audience that you would see while delivering your presentation. Just as you want to visualize success in yourself as part of your presentation, you also want to visualize success in your audience, which means that they want to, which means that you want to imagine the members of your audience reacting positively to your presentation, playing close attention and nodding their heads as they as you make your points. For the same reason, the myth persists that imagining your audience in their pajamas or something similarly silly is an effective way to make standing in front of them seem less scary. Many of my students have discussed hearing tips like imagining their audience wearing pink bunny, beard, bunny ears as a way to make them less intimidating. These sort of gimmicks don't work. And in fact, concentrating on anything other than what you're doing is distracting and not beneficial at all. Do your best to avoid such advice. Just visualize success. Breathe and release. type of pre-presentation exercise that might be helpful is based on a therapeutic idea called systematic desensitization, which is a multi-stage regimen to help patients deal with phobias and coping mechanisms. Going through both the cognitive and behavioral aspects of systematic desensitization often requires weeks of concerted effort to overcome the body's involuntary reactions to stress. That sort of psychological therapy involves gradual exposure to, to what produces the anxiety, long-term self-reflection, and mental discipline. 
Here, we'll, we will discuss a shortened version called Breathe and Release. This is a shortcut relaxation technique that could be useful for nervous speakers, especially those who are concerned with the physical manifestations of nervousness, such as shaking hands or knees. The key to breathe and release is to understand that when nervous tension results in minor trembling, the effort of trying to keep one hand from shaking can contribute to the whole situation. That is, trying to stop literally can make it worse. Therefore, the best approach is through relaxation. Breathe and release involves three steps. One, imagine the nervousness within your body. Imagine the energy bubbling inside you, like being, like liquid being cooked. Two, draw that energy to a high point within your body with a deep cleansing breath. Imagine this cleansing breath to be acting like a vacuum, drawing up all the bubbling liquid. Three, release the energy by deliberately relaxing the entirety of your upper extremities, not just your hands or even your hands and arms, but all the way from your fingertips to the bottom of your shoulder blades. Imagine how keeping any part of your upper extremities tense would result in a kink in the release valve. And so complete the relaxation is the key to success. Remember, relax everything from the fingertips to the very bottom ed edges of your shoulder blades. Breathe and release is something that can be done even as one walks into the front of the classroom or boardroom to begin speaking. Many speakers, especially those who are concerned about the physical manifestations of nervousness, have used this relaxation technique effectively. Next, minimize what you minimize. One important hint for speech preparation involves avoiding the writing of an entirely scripted version of the presentation. Many people have the impression that writing a script of the entirety of the entire speech is a necessary first step in preparation. That practicing can only happen after you're done writing the entire speech. Unfortunately, this is a common impression and is mistaken. Remember that lunch with your friends? When you were describing the movie plot, you were being conversant in a prepared way. This means that you knew what you were describing, but you weren't concerned with the specific words you were using. Being conversant is the, is the condition of being prepared to discuss an issue intelligently. Fans of sports are conversant about their favorite teams. Experts are conversant in their fields. A well-prepared speaker is conversant with regard to their topic. Consider how being conversant in this manner allows for your more fluid communication with no stress associated with your ability to remember what words you wanted to use. Being conversant also gives the speaker the best chance to recognize and react to the audience feedback. If you are completely focused on the integrity of scripted comments, then you will be unable to read and react to your audience in a meaningful way. Imagine how frustrating it would be for your friends at that lunch if you would not respond to any of their questions until you were finished reading a few descriptive paragraphs about the movie. They would probably just wait until you were done reading and then try and engage you in a conversation. Many people have had experience being in a stage play or some type of performance that involved memorized recitation of a script. Many of us recall moments during rehearsals when our mind would freeze and we might just need a quick reminder, the next word or phrase, the next few notes to get back on track. 
This is because people do not memorize in units, but in phrases or chunks. The mind attaches to a rhythm, not to each individual unit, word, or note. This is why it's best to minimize what you memorize. Prepare your opening carefully so that you start smoothly. Prepare your closing comments so that you can end sharply and with style. But avoid preparing and then memorizing an entire script. Preparing for a speech by memorizing a script engages your mind at a different level from that of a conversant speaker. Concentrating on remembering words is different from paying attention to how one's audience is reacting. The pressure that arises from trying to remember the next word can be considerable, yet that pressure is entirely unavoidable. The goal of public speaking should never be about loyal recreation of a script. It's about getting the appropriate response from your audience. Trying to remember an entirely scripted speech can result in the rather ironic situation of a person being able confidently and smoothly to, to discuss the topic in casual conversation, but still quite stressed about their ability to communicate their scripted comments. Many students forget their lines while discussing topics like their families and hometowns. Of course, they knew what they were talking about, but their minds were focused on the task of remembering specific words, a task different from effective speaking. So, should you write any prepared comments at all? Yes, of course you should. Specifically, the feedback should be most concerned with what will happen during the body of the speech when you're discussing the substance of your presentation. It is during the body of the speech when you need especially to retain the ability to adjust how your audience reacts. Thus, memorizing your entire speech is ultimately detrimental to your ability to react to your audience. However, during the introduction and conclusion of your speech, the primary concerns are about connecting with your audience personally, which is something best assured through consistent eye contact. So carefully preparing the introduction and conclusion of your speech is a smart strategy, but don't make the mistake of scripting everything that you plan to say. The best rule here Minimize what you memorize, familiarize instead. Next, practice out loud. Remember the very first time you tried to do anything, a game, a sport, an activity, anything at all. How good were you out of the gate? Perhaps you had talent or were gifted with a feel for what you were doing, but even then, didn't you get better with more experience? Nobody does anything the very best that they can on their very first attempt. And everyone, even the most talented among us, will benefit from effective practice. Speaking in public is no different from any other activity in this way. To maximize the chance that your presentation will come out smooth and polished, you will need to hear it all the way through. By practicing out loud from the beginning to the ending, you will be able to listen to your whole speech and properly gauge the flow of your entire presentation. Additionally, without at least one complete out loud practice, there will be no way you can accurately estimate the length of your speech and your preparation will remain insufficient. When dealing with CA, the last thing you want, it, you want is to leave some questions unanswered in your own mind. The out loud dress rehearsal is the single most important element to your preparation. Without it, you will be delivering your presentation in full for the first time when it counts the most. Putting yourself at that sort of disadvantage isn't wise and it is easily avoidable. Consider your current method of preparing a public presentation. 
At some point, you will gather notes and information together. That represents an opportune moment for your first out loud practice. You might even consider trying that initial practice without the benefits of your notes. Stand up, start speaking, see what comes out. Such a practice can serve as an oral first draft in the same vein as any first draft of a paper, and it can answer a number of questions for you. One, where during your presentation are you most and least conversant? Two, where during your presentation are you most in need of supportive notes? And three, what do your notes need to contain? Preparing for your public presentation by speaking and listening to yourself rather than writing, editing, and rewriting. Remember that when you are having a conversation, you never use the same sort of language and syntax as you do when you're writing a formal paper. Practice with the goal of becoming conversant in your topic, not fluent with the speech. Customize your practice. We've discussed a variety of techniques in this chapter, from the importance of out loud practice to suggestions of when, during your preparation, you, you should start the out loud practice. When discussing, cognitive restructuring as a means of changing your attitude about presenting in a positive way, depending on your personal brand of CA, you may choose to implement these hints in different ways. Take a moment to reflect on what causes your CA. Do you dislike the feeling of being in the center, the center of attention? Are you more concerned with who is in the audience and what they might think of you? Are you worried about freezing in front of the audience and forgetting what you wanted to say? Write some of these concerns down and put them in into a priority order. If you're worried about a particular issue or problem, how might you prepare to minimize the chance of this issue arising? Then consider your current method of preparation. Do you prepare more for a written paper than for an oral presentation? Do you have the goal of presenting a scripted message? Do you practice out loud? When during your process do you practice out loud? Do you practice at all before you begin to compose your speaking notes, or do you only practice after? Remember that dealing with CA often involves the breaking of a mental habit. It's, good, it's a good idea to change what you've done previously. Be deliberate. Observe what works in your situation. Recalling what was discussed at the beginning of this chapter, CA is a condition unique to each person dealing with it. CA is a result of many varied causes, some internal and personal, some external and experimental. Dealing with anxiety may be, may be as much dealing with your attitude as your skills, as much as a struggle with your perception as with ability. Because of this, you are in the best position to know how to deal with your particular brand of CA. As stated earlier in the chapter, each individual deals with CA most effectively through increased self-awareness and a willingness to take each of the steps in the entire process. After you acknowledge your reality, then you'll take the steps necessary to overcome apprehension. When you've read about the ways to overcome the debilitating impact of CA, the next step in your process involves seeing what works best for you. Do not continue to prepare in the exact same way as before. Speak more. Write and revise less. Be sure to practice out loud at least once during your preparation. In order to prepare yourself sufficiently, reflect on your personal concerns and try cognitive restructuring on those concerns. Take your time. Do your work. Have confidence that your preparation will yield positive results. Conclusion.
this chapter, we discuss communication apprehension, or CA. This difficult conclusion can be the result of many varied causes. Even professional researchers don't always agree on whether CA is inherent in the person or the result of what the person experiences or perceives. With some calling it trait anxiety or state anxiety, it's, and still others classifying it as scrutiny fear. The first step for any person to address this condition is self-reflection. Try to identify what has caused you to feel the way you do about public speaking. Careful introspection can result in, more, in a more productive level of self-awareness. Whatever the root cause of CA might be for any particular individual, the first step in addressing CA is to objectively objectively view the habitual frame of reference that has emerged in your mind regarding public speaking. Consider all those what-ifs that keep cropping up in your mind and how you might begin to address them productively. Rather than simply to ignore them and hope they go away, go through the steps of cognitive restructuring, or CR. Consider how many of those what-ifs are nothing more than invented pressure that you place upon yourself. Relaxation techniques such as breathe and release has, have proven to be effective for many speakers, especially those concerned with physical manifestations of nervousness like trembling hands or shaky knees. Remember that those sorts of tremors can often be exasperated by efforts to hold still. Don't force yourself to hold still. Relax instead. Lastly, we discuss the most effective means to prepare which is toward the goal of becoming conversant in your topic rather than being able to recite a memorized script. By familiarizing yourself with the topic, you, better, you become better able to consider the best way to talk to your audience rather than becoming married to your script and ultimately consumed with saying the words in the right order. Practicing out loud without a mirror to distract you is the best way to prepare yourself. CA is a real issue, but it need not be an obstacle to success. Take the time to become more aware of your personal brand of CA. Pos take positive steps to minimize its impact. Your willingness to work and your positive attitude are the keys to your success. Congratulations! You have made it through Chapter 11, Speaking with Confidence. As we finish off our thoughts on Chapter 11, Speaking with Confidence, I want to offer an extra credit opportunity for you. Create a video less than three minutes long, and I want you to answer the following questions. Which relaxation techniques will you use to help you cope with the nervousness before a speech? And next, I want you to identify one or two major barriers in your preparation process. After you identify them, I want you to brainstorm some ways to solve them. So overcoming these obstacles may include contacting a success coach, dropping in at the tutoring center, or maybe calling one of our counselors at the college. So consider what will help you, and I'd like you in a three minute video, less than three minutes, let me know what you come up with. This is not required, but recommended. This is worth three extra credit points to be added to your first major presentation. Exclusive for Dr. Trentini's class members.